Welcome to Black in Time, the podcast remembering pioneering people and defining moments from Black British history. I'm your host Liv and I'm a bit of a nerd. I started this podcast as a challenge to myself to find something that happened each day in Black British history. From births and deaths to events of national and international importance, each episode I'll look at the week to come and explore events that happened each day in history. Here's what happened during the week beginning December 7th through to December 13th. On December 7th, 2019, Anthony Joshua regained his unified heavyweight titles in a rematch against Andy Ruiz Jr. Earlier in the year, Joshua suffered a shock defeat at the hands of Ruiz in New York. He went into the match as the firm favourite, yet Ruiz won on a technical knockout in the seventh round. The defeat was Joshua's first as a professional boxer, taking his record to 22 wins to one. Four days after the fight, Joshua's promoter announced that they had requested a rematch with Ruiz. The rematch was billed as Clash of the Dunes and was heavily anticipated. It took place at Diria Arena in Saudi Arabia and was streamed by millions. Joshua won on a unanimous points decision, reclaiming the unified heavyweight titles. In doing so, he joins the likes of Muhammad Ali and Lennox Lewis, both heavyweight champions who took their titles back in a rematch. Racial discrimination is an ugly business. Most of us feel strongly, but that's as far as it goes. But now there's a law to back us up. It makes on December 8th, 1965, first Race Relations Act came into force. Prior to this, a Labour MP called Fenner Brockway had unsuccessfully presented a race relations bill to Parliament. Throughout the 1950s, Brockway attempted to pass a bill of this kind nine times. He was heavily influenced by community-based lobbying against the then colour bar. When Labour returned to power in 1964, their manifesto included a pledge to legislate against racial discrimination. This led to the 1965 Race Relations Act. The act was the first legislation of its kind that outlawed discrimination on the grounds of colour, race or ethnic or national origins. The act was slammed as virtually useless for a number of reasons. First, the act made racial discrimination a civil offence rather than a criminal one. This meant that offenders could not be prosecuted. Only in the most severe circumstances would offenders be referred by the Attorney General to County Court. Secondly, the Act only focused on discrimination in public places, meaning that incidents involving employment and housing were not covered. Included in the list of public places covered by the Act were hotels, restaurants, pubs and theatres. Section 2 of the 1965 Act established the Race Relations Board to consider discrimination that fell within the scope of the Act. In May of 1967, the board released its first annual report, which noted that 70% of complaints fell outside the scope of the Act. Three years later, the 1968 Race Relations Act was passed, broadening the scope of instances that could be deemed racial discrimination. On 
On December 9th, 1999, at its last formal meeting of the millennium, Liverpool City Council issued an apology for its role in the slave trade. For context, at its peak, Liverpool was seen as the European capital of transatlantic slavery. Out of all of the ports in England, Liverpool transported the largest number of enslaved African people. Estimates suggest that two out of three enslaved Africans sold on the coast of Africa were sold to a Liverpool ship. By 1790, one in eight Liverpudlians were said to be dependent on the slave trade in some form. The proposal for an apology came from a city councillor named Myrna Juarez. Juarez felt it important that Liverpool City Council issue an apology to express remorse for the effects of the slave trade on millions of people worldwide. The decision to issue an apology was controversial among both anti-racist activists and council officials. Nevertheless, the motion passed and the apology read as follows. As its last formal act, at its last formal meeting of this millennium, the City Council acknowledges Liverpool's responsibility for its involvement in three centuries of the slave trade, a trade which influenced every aspect of the city's commerce and culture and affected the lives of all of its citizens. Whilst bequeathing the city with a rich diversity of people and cultures, learning, architecture and financial wealth, it also obscured the human suffering upon which it was built. The untold misery which was caused has left a legacy which affects black people in Liverpool today. On behalf of the city, the City Council expresses its shame and remorse for the city's role in this trade in human misery. The City Council makes an unreserved apology for its involvement in the slave trade and the continual effects of slavery on Liverpool's black community. The first step towards reconciliation will be the basis upon which the city and all its people and institutions can grasp the challenges of the new millennium with a fresh and sustainable commitment to equality and justice in Liverpool. The City Council hereby commits itself to work closely with Liverpool communities and partners and with people of those countries which have carried the burden of the slave trade. December 10th, 1949, Tommy Best became QPR's first black player. Born in Pembrokeshire in 1920, Best joined the Royal Navy as a teenager. During World War II, he was stationed on a ship called HMS Glorman. The ship was hit by a bomb, forcing the crew to moor at Pollock Dock in Belfast. It was here that Best developed a love of football. Age 19, he joined Belfast Celtic, becoming the first black professional footballer in Northern Ireland. In 1947, he joined Chester FC and became the first black player to sign with a club in the English Football League. During his club debut, Best scored a goal and helped lead the team to a 2-1 victory. By the 1948-49 season, Best was highly sought after by football clubs. His signing with Cardiff City in October 1948 was for a record-setting £7,000. By November 1949, Best signed with QPR. He made his debut in a nil-nil stalemate away to Blackburn Rovers. He stayed at QPR for a single season, scoring three goals in 14 appearances. Following brief spells at other clubs, Best retired and worked in a local bakery. Despite being one of Wales' best players, Best was never called up to represent his country. Love thy neighbour Say how be ye? Gee, but I'm glad to see ye. 
On December 11th, 1975, the final series of the highly popular but controversial sitcom Love Thy Neighbour began airing on British television. The show ran for four years and was comprised of eight series and 53 episodes. Love Thy Neighbour was based around a white working class couple in Twickenham and their black neighbours. The show aired at a time when the socio-political climate in Britain was turbulent. Many migrants from Commonwealth countries faced discrimination and hostility, despite there having been two iterations of the Race Relations Act. In fact, against the backdrop of the 1968 Race Relations Act, Enoch Powell, a Tory MP, made his famous Rivers of Blood speech. This speech further stoked racial tensions in Britain. Some argued that Love Thy Neighbour helped to fan the flames of racial intolerance. Eddie, one half of the white working class couple, often made overtly racist comments about black people and would refer to them as Nignob, Spade and Sambo. Despite being dubbed one of the most controversial sitcoms in British history, the show helped to propel the careers of Rudolph Walker and Nina Baden-Semper. Walker and Baden-Semper played the Reynolds, the black couple who moved into the neighbourhood. After the show ended, both went on to enjoy successful careers on and off screen. And the winner of the BBC Sports Personality of 1982, a truly gifted athlete, a man who this year has thrilled viewers around the world, not only with his world record-breaking performances, but with his happy and friendly approach to sports. Ladies and gentlemen, Daley Thompson. On December 12th, 1982, the decathlete Daley Thompson was crowned BBC Sports Personality of the Year. After coming third in 1980, Thompson beat out the snooker player Alex Higgins and fellow athlete Steve Cram to clinch the title. The win followed a hugely successful year in which Thompson was described as the most complete athlete the world had ever seen. He entered 1982 as the reigning Olympic champion and in May of that year, he repeated a feat achieved two years earlier, setting a new world record at a meet in Gotsis. A few months later, in September of 1982, Thompson broke his own record and became European decathlete champion. The following month, he competed in the Commonwealth Games, successfully defending his title. In doing so, he became the first ever athlete to hold Olympic, Commonwealth and European titles as well as the world record at the same time. The winner of The X Factor 2008 is... On December 13th, 2008, 20-year-old Alexandra Burke won the fifth season of The X Factor. It was Burke's second attempt at winning, having first auditioned for The X Factor, aged 16. During this attempt, she was eliminated at the judges' houses stage because it was felt that she was too young. Undeterred, she returned three years later, wowing the judges with a cover of Saving All My Love For You. A member of the girls' category, she was mentored by Cheryl Cole and sailed through to the live shows. Over the course of 10 weeks, Burke performed hit songs such as I'll Be There by the Jackson 5 and Candyman by Christina Aguilera. An estimated 15 million viewers tuned in to see Burke battle it out in the final. 
also battling for the title of X Factor winner, was Owen Quigg and the boy band JLS. In line with X Factor tradition, Burke sang a duet with an established artist. This duet was arguably one of the most exciting moments in reality TV history, with Burke introducing Beyonce, yes, the Beyonce, as her singing partner. The pair performed Beyonce's song Listen, a song that Burke had previously sung at the judges' houses that year. During the final, more than 8 million votes were cast, with Alexandra Burke coming out on top with 58% of the final vote. She won a £1 million recording contract with Psycho Music, and her debut single Hallelujah was released the next day. At the time of its release, it was the fastest-selling X Factor single and went on to become the Christmas number one. You've been listening to Black in Time. I hope you found today's episode as interesting as I did. For more information about any of the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes. And as ever, if you like the podcast, please share it with a friend. On next week's episode, we'll be covering politics, protests and musical prodigies. Music.